during my school and all that. So it was like, um, I, I definitely felt like it was a, a, a huge career mover. And then Brad saw that and he immediately reached out. He was like, Hey, I saw you on, I saw you on social media examiner. I want to have you on my podcast. So then, um, I met with him he was super chill and, and he sent me an email with y'all and I'm like, okay, Brad, yeah, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna turn that down. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I appreciate you having me on by the way. I really do. And, uh, thanks for, thanks for having me by the way. <laughs> oh, of course, man. So social media examiner, that's one of my favorite places to turn when I want to find like a case study, um, I'll go to Google and and I'll and I'll start Googling and then I'll be like, you know what, this is stupid. So I'll, I'll type social media examiner and then I'll look for the same case study because I just I, they're so transparent, they're so good about striving to give you everything you need to know. So they had you on their show how long ago? Uh, it's hard to remember, but I think it's been like a, a year and a half or two two years. Oh, that's not long at all. So well, a year and a half, I, two years in, ago. In content language, it feels very long. When every, <laughs> every week is two posts a day. Yeah, it starts to feel like it's adding up. But no, um, it was like a year and a half, two years ago. And and then um, Mike really liked me. So he even invited me out to go to San Diego and speak at Social Media Marketing World, which was just like, you know, the next big step. Um, but yeah, by the end of the call, I mean, after the podcast, Mike stayed on with me for like 55 minutes. No one sees that stuff. Like he stayed on with me for like an hour after that podcast and just chatted with me. And I was like, this Ooh. is really cool. You know, like you're taking time out of your day. You're like a person I've looked up to within the industry. And, and, and so it was just, it was very, very, um, uh, what's the word, uh, it was very validating. And then when I when I went went out to San Diego, I was uh, a deer in the headlights, terrified beyond belief. But it went amazing. I had a great talk, you know, in front of like 2000 plus people technically, but 500 plus uh, in real life. And it should have been a lot more terrifying. But given the fact that I've been on like 20 plus podcasts and been geeking out about LinkedIn for the last, you know, two, three, now four years, it was just uh, it was like reading the back of my hand. It was no Natural. big deal, you know. So it was a lot of fun and a huge, a huge, uh, uh, triumphant moment for Whoa. me as somebody trying to grow as an individual. So, dude, that's a huge test. I'm so grateful for that because, and here's why: my stark contrast. I've been on stages since I was a kid. Oh, cool. And because of that, I don't necessarily have that same correlation as to how to how to transition. But you're saying you would only been on podcasts and you had done like 20 podcasts and you got on stage in front of 500 people and and didn't melt down like you you felt you know and you you know your subject too that's certainly a a big factor there that's awesome dude that's super helpful anybody who's listening that means that there's no reason why you can't also go on to stages and allow this online world this online interaction where it's a little awkward to talk to this little camera um you know but when you can remember that there's people behind it that you're delivering value to and you can think about them you don't think about them being naked um you know just realize that they're people yeah, that's doing so awkward. Value. isn't that like it's so awkward <laughs> i never would have liked that no i mean really what helped the most was that right before i went out on stage mike came and found me he was like hey you're about to go up right and i'm like you know you know you know i'm going up yeah i'm about to go up and he's like come with me and he like takes me to this back room and he's like you know here's what you want to do you want to walk left you want to walk right you want to really work the room like you're in a house at your friend's house and you're he gave me this whole like really down-to-earth example and I was like that's exactly what I do I'm like I'm just so I went out there and I was like 
before I got up there, I was just like, I got this. I'm like, I'm good. I can get up there. I can just talk about what I normally talk about. And I just started spitballing like random metaphors. And I didn't even know there was a like a, a, a screen on the stage at first. I was thinking I was going to have to remember everything and I was going to have to look up, look right. <laughs> and uh, and I didn't have to do that. So I was like, wow, look, there's a there's a screen up here. I can't believe it. You know, like so I, I try to be very honest about the process. And, and a lot of people couldn't tell it was my first time. But anyways, people love that. Yeah, it was so it was so cool. It was very, very raw, very in the moment. And um, and I couldn't be more grateful for Mike to come and find me right before that and give me that like uh, toss handoff. Like, here you go. You got this, dude. <laughs> so. Dude, that's awesome. OK, what were your favorite two things about social media marketing world? Um, my favorite two things, obviously being a speaker. I mean, it definitely, uh, it definitely comes with its perks, right? I mean, I've never stayed in that nice of a hotel in my entire life for sure. But, um, <laughs> but it was, uh, I, I would say it was a lot of the like little in between moments. It was like, it was like being back at the skate park again, you know, like I grew up on a skateboard, you know, like you go to the park, you, you fr hang out with your friends, you try hard stuff, you challenge each other. You're surrounded by a, a squad of people who have been vetted by the severe fact that they're a skateboarder, you know? And so it's like all these people are here. They're all marketers. They're all in the trenches. So like when I went to the cocktail party afterwards, and I'm all jived up from my, my talk. People are like, I saw your talk. That was amazing. I have like 10,000 questions for you. And then they're like, you know, you have that like Gary Vee moment where you're like just chatting it up with people and you, you're wishing you had like that whole camera crew with you while you're doing uh -huh. it. But it, feels, <laughs> but it feels so cool though. And I was just like having so much much fun having endless conversations with people. It was like I had my LinkedIn feed in real life with me uh, at one time. And I, and I met a ton of great people. I met a guy named Morgan Ingram, who's a huge name on LinkedIn now. And he came up and found me ahead of time and was like, you got to talk today. You know, like there's just a lot of community to it. And I think that's probably what I enjoyed the most. Oh, man, that's amazing. I uh, I look forward. I, I got to get my butt out there. Um, <laughs> if I, it, I either haven't applied to social media marketing world to speak or I applied and got rejected, but now I've got my my insider who can hook me up, right? <laughs> yes. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, hey, what's up and welcome in to Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. And I'm excited to have Daniel Kading here today, who's a referral from Brad Powell of Awesome Video Makers. And Brad also has an excellent show called The Standout Business Show. Always want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Brad and I, by the way, have done a mastermind together, just a private one. Him and I, every Wednesday for the better part of a year. Uh, granted, we like to take our vacations and our time off too, so we skip some of those once in a while. But it's he's he's been very fun to build with. So in addition to the other sponsors, quick plug and shout out to awesome video makers with what Brad does with helping business owners get their content created super fast. In fact, I believe Daniel is also a, a client of his um, and has, has worked with him on his services. We'll confirm that in a little bit. But without further ado, let's dive into some of these other resources. You guys can do your own research on that. That's always important. I love, by the way, quick tip and trick when you're writing notes. And I always put a little column on my notepad. I learned this from one of the smartest people I've ever met. And on the right-hand side, I keep my action items. On the left-hand side, I keep my notes. 
Um, this particular meeting with Justin Breen had a ton of action items, by the way. Um, so that's why it looks even. That's almost, that's very rare. Usually your right-hand column has one to two things that you're going to do with the information right down. Let's go from there to Patrick Creighton of Laidback Languages. Patrick has inspired me as somebody who can, and speaking of Daniel, I was just talking about Spanish and he's got a desire to learn Spanish. Well, if that desire is like super strong and you like really want to master it, Daniel, then Patrick Creighton is one of the master teachers of learning, learning a foreign language. He can really help speed that process up. And I don't know that because I've worked with Patrick. I know that because I learned Spanish in four and a half months myself. It took me 18 months to realize and claim fluidity with the language, but in four and a half months is when I was up to the point where I was actually speaking fluently and just didn't quite give myself credit. Now, Patrick understands how to teach the principles that are necessary for driving that type of growth and language learning fast. So if you have a professional reason or a personal reason to want to learn it, I highly recommend Patrick. He's amazing. Um, and moving on to sponsors, uh, Detail Publishing. Um, they are other sponsor. That would be Ashley Democ Detail. She is a phenomenal founder uh, one of the fastest growing students I've ever had in my program. She took our passions assessment years ago. She realized, oh my gosh, I know exactly what I want to do. She launched the Teo Publishing, went through some uh, incredible life hurdles, such as her husband getting a mountain biking accident, going into a coma for several months while also uh, managing her family and and moving her family forward, I've I've been I've been very impressed with who Ashley is as a person. She's actually one of my top twenty favorite people on earth, and I have a family of more than a hundred people. Um, so you uh, you can take that for what it's worth. She's absolutely incredible. From an R and D perspective, I've never met somebody who's more thorough either. Now, research and development is the key to laying a foundation for a solid campaign. So to end up with a book that's published super super well, you want somebody like her on your team. Um, and I'll throw out there a few other names if you are in the process of writing a book, and that would be Chandler Bolt's program, uh, Self-Publishing School. Very informative and helpful for me. He also works with Jake Larson at Video Power. Again, references to write down. Uh, Rakesha Pittman, based out of Dallas. She's also one of my favorite uh, book publishing individuals. And of course, you can go to any of the top publishing companies in the world too and just Google those and find those real quick. But those are alternatives options for you as entrepreneurs, professionals that want to solidify your legacy and get your message out there in a more formal format that can give you authority and credibility and social proof in the market. It's a fantastic way to do just that. Now, let's talk about the Water Project real quick before we dive in. The Water Project has big goals to help millions of people gain access to clean drinking water. We're, we're talking about people who celebrate water as though it's the best Christmas gift on earth. Um, and my heart feels for them. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine my kids not having clean drinking water, having to leave school and walk a couple miles to go find a source of water that may or may not be safe for them and their peers. Uh, I love what this, this uh, project does. They allow you to invest in a specific community, and then you're able to see the results of that community move forward. Um, you get to see what they're working on. You can see how they do it. I'm a bit analytical. I like to, to dive into the details and see those things. But if you're in a position to give, please do. If you're not and you're just in a position to share, don't underestimate the value of doing that. If you can share this message, please feel free. Uh, you know, Get it out there. Let the world know. You might inspire somebody uh, to, to change 
hundreds of lives. Um, in addition to that, if there's a cause that is near and dear to your heart right now and you'd like us to contribute to it, just drop it in the show notes. Um, you know, let us know. Maybe there's a crowdfunding thing that you're working on. Uh, maybe there's, you know, th there's so many things going on in the world right now that that can be heavy on the heart. But if you leave it in the comments, it gives us a chance to perhaps promote it, contribute to it, and uh, and speak out on it. Now, Daniel Kading has a program uh, about ghost writing, about getting your copy out there. And in addition to that, one of the things that struck me about his vision was the desire to make sure that the process of entrepreneurship is lean, simple, valuable, and approachable. So we're going to bring him on stage to talk about that. I'm on the I'm on the opposite end of that, helping people realize that business is a lot more complicated than it looks. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be looking to streamline it as much as possible and make the path as easy as we can for those who are are following in our wake. Um, and so, without further ado, Daniel, thanks for joining me on Vision Pros Live, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you bringing me on. Absolutely. So uh, my last guest pointed something out. I'm going to have to change this as we talk, okay? Because he he said, I don't use the S-H-O-U-L-D word, the should word. Um, and I don't either. <laughs> so it's surprising. I've had this darn word in my podcast for about 150 episodes now, somewhere around that. Um, so if you were to quantify, though, who's going to benefit from listening and why they should listen to you today? What would that look like? The should word. Okay, okay, I got you now. So yeah, the we don't tell people what to do on our yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> why you should listen. Yeah, or why you should feel inspired to listen. Um, yeah. I, I guess I could say that I've been a, a floundering millennial, like a lot of people. You know, I went through my twenties and it was really challenging. I I went to school. I dropped out of school. I went and worked in endless industries. I tried so many different things uh, from sales to manufacturing to management to, uh, you know, on, online marketing to uh, even working for little startups here and there along the way. I even charged bird scooters, you know, like I've, I've done a bunch of random stuff, uh, but I got through school. I finished, finished up what I was doing. I knew no matter what, I wanted to do something bigger with my life. And I wanted to actually uh, take what it was in front of me and turn, turn it into some sort of opportunity, make what was nothing and make it into something as uh maybe it was uh escobar that said that i can't remember but it was a cool line and it definitely definitely resonated with me where it's like yeah you know like um i i had my laptop in front of me i knew i knew how to write i knew that there was opportunity on this platform and there was people that wanted to spend money uh, i knew that when i had top ceos at some of the biggest SaaS companies in the world commenting on my content that there was something magical here so i took that initial push and decided like linkedin is a good place to invest my time I love writing. It's easy to scale. It's easy for people to do. And you don't have to get stuck in the video like uh, world of having to edit videos and all that stuff. It's easy. It's simple. It was right in front of me. So uh, I, I took my laptop. I started freelancing. I made very, very little money in the beginning because I didn't know how to value my work. I didn't know what to price myself at, but I just kept going. I kept moving through it. I kept meeting more and more people who helped me scale up one day at a time. You know, Mike was another person I met that helped me scale up, but there there are plenty of other examples of people along the way that just gave you that helping hand. They're like, hey, I know how you're doing. I know how difficult this is. Here's a few things you can do. So if anybody's listening to this that feels like they're floundering and they don't have a damn clue what they're doing and they feel lost um, in, in the world of entrepreneurship and you and you think there's so many 
you know, there's so many Alex Hormozis out there that are building these amazing <laughs> agencies with amazing, you know, thunder calves and whatnot, you know, and it's like, and, and you think to yourself, like, I, I can't be that guy. I can't be Alex Hormozzi. Like, you know, I, my sinuses certainly work a lot better, but like at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where we have this image of entrepreneurship and it's very, very like, oh, you know, it's like, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to eat nothing but raw egg yolk and I'm going to work out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat my AG1 and I'm going to go to the, uh, I'm going to go crush it at my job. And it's like, I think for a lot of people, a more approachable uh, way of looking at it is useful. And so I hope if anybody's listening to it, that stands out. Oh my gosh. I love the fire and the light roasting. Um, you know, the light, the light and, and win-win roasting. Absolutely. No, he'd dig everything that you just said. That was, that was beautiful. He'd be like, oh, you've been paying attention. Oh, exactly. Right. Um, exactly. So what, what's your vision for those that you serve? Uh, yeah, I want, I want to help people figure out how to not only build their own message and tell a really, really impactful story surrounding their brand, who they are, their industry, but also help them grow on a platform like LinkedIn that's incredibly like snooty and button tie and really professional. And that's changed a lot over the years, but it's still is still slowly changing. And so I, I really want to help people figure out that vision forward for how they can actually build something, build something real on that platform and do something substantial for themselves and, and, and not have to uh, suffer through the process, essentially. So I would say that's my vision for that. I mean, it's bigger visions, right? Well, that's uh, good. No, and I, I teach you up. I teach you up to talk about the journey. I, I wanted to know that as well, the journey. Now, now that we've gone through the journey, let's talk about the vision of what it looks like for those who serve. Once they get to the other side, what's that going to look like for them? Yeah, so it's a, a killer brand with a you know amazing yeah, amazing profile, of course, and a, and something they can be proud of, something that tells their story. Um, but beyond that, content that actually they can be proud of, you know, AI imagery that is just amazing, carousels that they want it. Um, uh, not only that, but the words themselves have been pulled from their brain. I have a client that's a safety consultant and he's in the upper uh, upper Alberta, Canada, and he's in a, a really obscure industry and he had no idea what was possible. And when we got started, I had no idea either. And as soon as we started posting, he started realizing, wow, there, there is a real world of people out here that want to talk about safety. They want to talk about leadership. And, and it's inspired the living crap out of him. And so he's having a ton of fun getting seven to 10 to 20,000 views on his posts. And so I want him to come out the other side with a brand, with momentum. Even if he only works with me for the 90 days that we've agreed, I hope I can hold on to him for longer. But at the end of the day, I want him to have a system that's in place that he can take and keep running with. And even if my clients decide they don't want to keep having me write for them, I want them to see what's been possible so that they can take it from there. And if they want to build their business for the next nine months all by themselves and, and continue forward, I think that's awesome. And I'm happy I helped inspire them to do that. That's awesome, man. I like that. <clears throat> I like the competitive nature um, and and the edge of, you know, wanting to, I, I don't know, there's just, there's just something genuine and authentic about you, Daniel. I can't pin it down. Maybe somebody can articulate this in the comments for me, but there, there's just something different. You got, you got this. It's like that X factor that, that just exists. So we're going to move on. Well, thanks. I can't pin it, but appreciate, it's there, appreciate that. Thank you. What's, <laughs> what's your vision? What do you see for yourself? Yeah, a, a profitable business that uh, makes really, really good money that uh, that is easy to do for not only my clients, but myself, that's easy to scale, that's um, 
in a place where it's not overly bloated and um yeah life is good in that regard but i also want to have a good life at home with my with my five-year-old daughter i might want to have another child with my wife i want to make sure that uh my wife doesn't have to work a ton in her therapist practice to pay the bills that you know i could help pay you know i want to be able to get by i live in a very expensive state i want to make sure that i'm of course getting into that place that's very very solid in that sense but i also really want to make sure that my daughter has a a great life for herself. I love being able to be at home and work in this office and be able to be a laptop entrepreneur and, and be able to drop what I need to do and go pick her up and take her to and fro and also help my wife with whatever she needs in that regard too. Uh, I like being a caregiver and I like being uh, able to support my family in that domestic sense where it's like, yeah, I love doing the dishes and listening to a podcast or learning something on YouTube. I consider those moments where you can level up and you can build yourself in those micro moments where normally you're just wasting your time and so I feel like I get to live a really good life because of that. I'm able to be more uh, involved and have a, a higher yield on my time because I'm not stuck in a manufacturing job working 12 hours a day right. for, penny, for pennies on the dollar for some rich guy in a different country to, you know, it just didn't work for me. And I got away from that. And so that's ultimately my goal is to stay on that path and continue building this into something and, and finally make back some of those years I, I wasn't able to take advantage of in my 20s and, and really turn my 30s into something I can be super proud of and make a nest egg for my family, you know, all that good stuff, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I like that. So, uh, there's two different thought leaders who come to mind. You mentioned Alex Hermosi, um, who talks about Grand Slam offers. For those of you who are, who are new to his subject or who don't remember, he talks about the, the best thing about entrepreneurship, the reason why we're crazy enough to go after the sacrifice is that in baseball, when you hit a grand slam, you're limited to four points. But in entrepreneurship, when you hit a grand slam, the return can be exponential. You could hit a trillion dollar grand slam. You can hit a billion dollar, multi-million, et cetera. Um, then there's the Tim Ferriss style. There's the Tim Ferriss of the four hour work week. And I read the first couple chapters of that book, love the book. I just tend to be a uh, I tend to read a few chapters and move on from all books. Um, but in his book, he talks about the new, the NR, the new rich, the new rich being the ones who don't want to be chained to a job, whether it's manufacturing or a cushy desk job, but you don't necessarily get all the benefits of, of being able to have your cake and eat it too, being, having the full balance of appreciating everything that life has offers. And new rich is all about not necessarily having a massive bank account saved up, but being able to have the experiences that you want in life, the lifestyle components. And I hear you kind of gravitating towards that message a bit and, and what you talk about. But let me box you in, but I would say that in essence, both of those realities represent what I thought growing up was the American dream. Would you say you're living the American dream? I'm pretty close to it. <laughs> yes, for sure. I think even if I'm still in that, in the trenches, you know, I'm not that six figure ghostwriter yet. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe soon, but you know, right, right. Like you said, the, the win, the win can be huge. Even if the climb up takes a long time, uh, the result is there. If you continue at it and you actually have the skill set and the desire and the willingness to pivot and change and, and, and evolve. But yeah, I do feel like I'm, even if, even if it's a small fraction of it, I do feel like I'm living that dream. And I, and I do feel when I'm able to wake up and not have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to get to the factory floor by six and 
not even have time to like do anything in the morning. Then I'm not done with my job until 6 p.m. And then it takes all the way until about seven o'clock until I'm home. And then, you know, within three hours, I got to be to bed. You know, you start to feel really, really awful at, at a certain point. And so it's like I went through this really rough period before I did before my daughter was conceived and then therefore born. And that was the ultimate catalyst that forced me to get back into school and start taking my life more seriously. I was like, I could become a UPS driver or I could or I could move in this other direction. And my wife inspired me to believe in myself. And I'm grateful for her. I'm, I luckily married my high school sweetie. And so I think there's a lot awesome. of uh, a lot of my success is owed to the fact that I've had her to bounce ideas off of. And yeah, just keep me centered on what I need to do and also challenge me to say, yeah, you know what, you're better. You can do more than that. You can do more than just deliver packages. You have something to offer. And here I am. And I found some way to offer it. And so I look back and I couldn't feel I couldn't feel more more happy about that. And I can't I can't be more excited for the future. Man, I would say that's the definition of the American dream um, in, in its fullest right there. And that's, you know, that's, again, recognizing that that change, optimization, opportunities, cultivating. You got a whole you got several decades ahead um, and to be able to continue to do that. And those who are listening in, uh, I'm not trying to box Daniel in as much as I am highlighting for all of your sakes that uh, defining your success, appreciating the journey as you go. Um, that's an individual experience. And while the world can judge you um, and the ones who people who like to be critics tend to be louder than people who like to support um, as it is. And washing that out, realizing that, you know what, if, you know, with an abundant mindset, we really can have it all. We really can. If it's designed for us and we pursue it, then we can. On the flip side, if I had to choose, right, if, if I had to choose and, you know, I could only have a lifestyle where I made between 60000 and 80000 a year, but had the ability to do the things that I want and love uh, versus make a ton of money, um, you know, and, and be successful in a, in a career beyond six figures, beyond blah, 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 whatever you want to put on that. Out. No way, man. I would 100 um, percent it, it'd be so happy. And that's also why in my roughest of years going this route, I have been very happy and centered and in peace and joy and, and realizing, man, this what an abundant life we have. Yeah. Um, so you, you resonate with that, Daniel? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're yeah, you're uh, waxing philosophically to me at this point. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> that's that's my journal right there. Yeah. I mean, mm. uh, and, and my both my parents are entrepreneurs uh, in very small ways. My dad ran an HVAC company, you know, pretty boring. Right. But hey, those boring businesses make good money. And and I had an yes. opportunity to take it over when I was uh, 20. But I'm 32 now. And I was such an idiot 12 years ago. I mean, I can't even begin to describe I you. how I was, yeah, you and I, I were hanging out virtually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just felt I felt like I had it all figured out like we all do. And you look back and you're like, at the time, you're like, no, no, I'm humble. I got this down. Like, you know, and then you look back and you're like, wow, I was such an idiot. And I'm so glad that I turned my dad down when he offered that business to me. He said, you can take this over and you can have it be your own. His knees were given out on him. He was, you know, uh, life is hard on those mechanics. Right. And and so he he uh, he ultimately decided tried to sell it to my bro my half brother. He turned it down, too. And so he sold it to another guy named John who ended up being his best friend. And life is good. But um, but either yeah. way, at the time, if I had taken that business it wouldn't have been something i was passionate about it would have been yet another thing that right. i did because someone else wanted me to do it i also would have had to go to class with my dad at the local community college because he was an adjunct uh, professor there for the first six months so i didn't want to do that either that would have been just too hard <laughs> 
So, so yeah, I look, I look back on those. I'm grateful I didn't do it. And as much as at the time I felt like an idiot, I still, some, I still sit down. I can tell my dad is disappointed, but he's, he's happy. I'm doing something now. Even if I didn't take his dream, I'm creating something for myself. That's way better. You know, I like writing I don't like fixing the HVAC equipment and you know, so it's just, uh, it's, you're cut out for different things. Right. So, uh, yes. that's, that's my little tangent on that one. But yes, uh, I think that there's, there's something to be said for, for just listening to your intuition and saying, no, this is not my dream. And I hate to disappoint you pops, but I'm going to figure it out one day and hopefully I'm, I'm there. <laughs> so. Right, dude. No, I love that self-awareness because that's also liberating, you know, to realize that, that you may not have had the capacity, right. Of what, I had the same type of opportunities. Um, and all my parents have an 18 wheeler, had an 18 wheeler parking lot and spicy wow. ice machine. They sold that recently, but it started with just a parking lot and they did really, really well with that. Um, you know, wow. really, really well. Yeah. Meaning again, the, you know, that's not an Alex Hermosi dream, um, by, by any means. Um, but it definitely provided. And they also owned several, they owned several different houses and they wanted me to buy into a fourplex. Um, when I had the opportunity, I would have, I would have blown it. I did not have the disciplines in place to maintain. They, they wanted me to take over the business perhaps too. I would have blown it. I did yeah. not have those disciplines in place. It wasn't my passion. It wasn't my purpose. It, yeah, I couldn't have done it. Did you, uh, um, did and you go so, through a similar thought you know, process? Recon- that? I was just going to say, did oh, you go dude, through a similar so you, thought you, process? You were in my journal. Yes, you were 100% in my journal as well. I was like, whoa, man, <laughs> we, we, we get each other on. I think a lot of the people listening, again, get that. But if you're where I was, you know, when you were in like your 20s or earlier years on that, like give some grace to yourself. It's okay. You know, you, you know, you got to figure out you and find the right mentors along the way. That's what this is all about. So, Daniel, what let's switch gears completely. What's the worst leadership experience that you've ever seen um, or, or been part of either one? <laughs> well, I, I love to dovetail stuff in. So let's uh, let's just stay on the manufacturing topic here. Um, okay, do it. So, yeah, because I because I left I, I left in um, not in the best terms uh, with my last job. And, and mm. you know, rightfully so. They, they uh, took about 18 months to hire me on as a full time employee. Uh, you know, it was already terrible work. It was already very low pay. It was hours that were so brutal. Um, but it was an, it was a classic 1980s style company. And they were they were the type to as soon as things got difficult, they got scared. They started laying people off. And and if you had even the slightest blip on your record, you were done. It didn't matter who you were. And so all this fear would start to crescendo across the whole entire company. And I know this is a very common story for a lot of tech companies. But for me, it was a new experience. And And I know that that's. That's, I'm very privileged in that sense, but, and I know that's just like how life is for some people. And a lot of the engineers I worked with had been laid off multiple times and brought back and, and thrown around like a rag doll. Uh, it was unbelievable what they were putting up with. And so um, I had a boss and she, for some reason, did not like me. I don't really know what I did wrong along the way. I really tried to be as uh, heartfelt and appreciative that she gave me a step up. I was able to run the machines finally, and I was excited about that. But I, but as time went on, I started to figure out that she had she had it out for me, and she was not listening to the things I was saying. She was uh, she was actively valuing other people's opinions over mine. The other people were making stuff up about me, and I was finding that finding out about it. And I had corroborating. Uh, I had to like to, I had to develop a whole entire like collection of stuff because then I had to take my boss to HR because she was threatening to fire me if I did not 
if I was not at work uh, for a specific amount of time and my daughter was about to be born and I was starting to stress out that I was going to lose my job if I went to see the birth of my daughter. There was some sort of weird conflict in the, in the some weird red tape, basically. And that was what was causing this problem. And she would not allow me the grace to understand that I was not actually going to get laid off if I had left for a specific, at a specific time at some unforeseen moment. And so I had to take her to HR and mm. sit down with the top boss of the entire like 3000 person organization and my HR lady, uh, her boss and my boss. And I had to sit down and give this whole presentation with all these emails that I collected, all these screenshots, all these different witnesses and sign offs. I found a bunch of people who, who were willing to speak for me because I did not want to lose my job. I was about to have my daughter. I wanted to make sure I had money coming in. I was already not going to be able to take very much time off. And so um, anyways, I, I took her to HR. I ended up getting her. In a, she was like the last straw. It was like the 12th complaint she had gotten or something like that. And I was the final straw. When I was walking out of there, the main boss looked at me and said, can you shut the door? Me and uh, your boss have something we need to talk about. And so from that point forward, I was promised I wouldn't lose my job. But at that point, I, the, the, I was just so upset with that place. I, I, I went on FMLA. I started driving Uber and Lyft full time while my daughter was very, very young. And my daughter, my wife was recovering from her C-section. And, and I realized I could make just as much money driving Uber three nights a week, you know, as I could at that previous job. And, the, and I started to realize, wow, the healthcare wasn't that great either. And so I, I just, I could not believe how, how, horrid that lady had ran that team and and how she had basically created a entire and toxic environment of nepotism and uh, favoritism and people just telling tattles on each other it was like a it was like a corrupt government with a bunch of people that were all trying to get each other in trouble it just felt horrible and um, i will i will never want to work on a team like that again uh or with in an environment like that again where you know, you, you not only don't like the work, but you're constantly worried you're going to lose your job and you have people making up stuff about you who are only interested in their own uh, their own needs at the end of the day. So, yeah, long story yeah. short, that was one of the worst experiences. Um, and it was Did she get let go? She got demoted to a uh, office mm. job at that same place. So she didn't get fired, but she got demoted out of leadership because I think they realized that she just wasn't cut out for it. Uh, and the lady that was making up stuff about me eventually got fired for the exact same thing. Uh, but I basically, you know, pulled the thing, chucked the grenade in and I headed out to go have my daughter. And I was just getting all these rumors from everybody. They're like, dude, things are crazy. Roxanne got demoted, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh man, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like hey, that place is such a mess. So yeah, I, yeah. I look back at that. And it was just the perfect sort of like send off. Yeah. And when I, when I told my other boss that I was quitting and I was leaving, I was going to go back to school. I was expecting him to give me some sort of uh, sob thing. He was like, oh, that's a great idea, man. I kind of wish I had done that. <laughs> and then like I, I get off the phone with him. And I'm like, all right, I think I did the right thing. You know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's cool that he that he supported you on that. And that's in, in such a tough environment. It's, it's always great to find those who um, are diplomatic enough to go through that. Um, but that, you know, I think he's kind of speaking to you through his own, you know, experience. I mean, he said it directly. I shouldn't put, we shouldn't mince words. He said, I, w I kind of wish I had done that. Yeah. Um, right. So, wait a, it was wait a, very eye-opening, right? I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah I think I'm good. And that's, <laughs> that you, you brought it up. You said some people, you know, like this is, this is their norm, you know, and, and we hear, we hear the words, you know, you hear things like, oh man, millennials. Um, you know, they're, they're so dramatic or Z, Gen Z doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. There's these labels that are placed by the generations who just accept that. But while I, while I can't say you're Rosa Parks or you're a Martin Luther King, um, you know, you're not leaving, leading a civil revolution by any means. 
uh, there's still an element of leadership that's occurring throughout the U.S. of people who are saying, you know what, it's it's important that we have healthy cultures in the workforce. Um, and thank God, like people are speaking up and they're willing to approach that and say, you know, we, we really can make things better. That's that's what it's about. So speaking of making things better, what's the best best leadership experience you've ever had? I would say my mark from social media examiner did really, really well by priming you to to get on stage and and putting you on there. But let's find a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, life is such a such a rich mosaic. Right. Um, I feel like I could go I could go in almost any direction. Um, let me let me think for just one second. One sure, more second course. here because I, I feel like I have a really good one on the tip of my tongue. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It. Um, I think this one stands out a lot to me because it it was a it was a turning point in my own life. I uh, I got in a little bit of trouble in high school. I got expelled for a couple of things. I won't mention what, but it was it was a rough time sure. in my life, and I was you know getting into trouble at school. And I and I and I just I I my grades went to shit. I had to go to either my parents basically gave me an option of military school or alternative high school. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to alternative high school. <laughs> like I I, I want to get done with school. I don't want to go there. That would be horrifying. I they may have just been joking, but I, I thought they were serious. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to alternative high school. We had a really good one here in, in my town. It was very small, like 130, 150 kids, not very big, very, very different. They had this like discovery program you had to do at the beginning. So you have to learn life skills, I messages, how to communicate, how to be a reasonable individual, basically. Things, very- that, things that 90% of high school students should already be in and miss. Yeah, yeah. Great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, exactly. awesome. It's that, a great thing. You every just solved what's have. broken with our system. <laughs> okay, yeah, every ahead. high school should have this discovery program. It's actually quite uh, oh, universal. And I think my dean even went out and did some public talks on it and how how, uni- how useful it was to the student population. And so anyways, I, I remember my dean, Eric, he was... Uh, this real brash, like old school dude, but he also liked to meditate. And he, you know, he looked like a classic conservative guy, but he was also into all this Eastern philosophy. And so he was so, he was very interesting, but he had a very big impact on my life. And in a, in a lot of ways, he was just very good at creating a metaphor. And I had just gotten in a ton of trouble. And you know, I was on probation at the time. I was going through a lot in my high school era. My, my parents thought I was going to end up in jail, you know, whatever, you know, like I was a rough, it was a rough patch in my life. And, but I got through it and I got through it because of people yeah. like, like Eric, because Eric talked to us, you know, like there was a whole classroom of people, but I felt like I was really engaged. So I was like, you know what? I messages. Yeah. I need to communicate in a way that, you know, the world doesn't react poorly to, you know, like then he starts talking about a lot of these different things where like a lot of people crash the plane and he starts talking about the plane. He's like, a lot of times you're in the process of, of getting through this thing called discovery, which was the class we were doing, but it's also life, you know, like you're in the middle of building something big, like me going out to San Diego to talk in front of, in front of 2000 plus professional marketers. I could have easily crashed that plane. I could have gone up on that stage and I could have tripped. I could have, I could have said something horrible. I could have, I could have flopped and, and not, I could have stuttered, whatever. And none of that happened. And, and I, I look back on experiences like that with Eric, where he talks about how, you know, like, don't crash the plane, just complete the trip, you know, like, don't get to the very tail end of a project and and, and decide that you're just done and that you bail out. There was so much of that in high school where kids just 
dip out, tune in, turn off and drop out, you know, Timothy Leary or whatever. And it's like a lot of people do that stuff and it, and it really is not good. And, and it happens so often and across generations, across demographics, people just give up. And it's like, if you just went that extra 10%, you would have succeeded and you would have crushed it and you would have been so proud of yourself. And so I think I always look back to Eric and, and the things he taught me in high school and how he kind of helped me decide that I was not going to be another deadbeat and I was going to get 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 some things done. I got done with probation. I got out of trouble. I was fine. I finished my college degree and uh, life is good, but uh, it was looking a little rocky there. But thankfully for people like Eric and his leadership, I was able to move forward. That's amazing. I'll leave that right where it's at. Perfectly, perfectly succinct. So what powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience? And this would be, if this is the last lesson that you could share ever, what would it be? Uh, yeah, I think you should, you should believe, I don't know, it sounds almost too cliche. You, you should, you should truly believe that you have the ability to actually complete what you do. I mean, like I, I remember when I first got started freelancing, I thought this is a joke. I'm like, no one's ever going to hire me. Hell no. Like what? No, I'm, I'm offering services on LinkedIn. What is this? I, at the time I was a content checker. I wasn't even doing ghostwriting. I didn't have any of that in the, in the game plan. I was just, I was just trying to figure it out. And within five days, I wrote a few posts and this guy, Juan Pico out of the East coast hired me for pennies on the dollar. And I worked for him for a little bit, but either way, that first stepping stone was the exact thing I needed. So I think a lot of times if you're a visionary, that's great, but how do you actually get started and how do you keep moving down that path and continuing that momentum towards actually succeeding at the goal you had a vision about to begin with? And I think it's harnessing those moments and understanding when they're happening and being able to build on top of that and create calluses and create understanding and, and realize that confidence comes with time. And if you don't have the confidence yet, you got to do a few small things before you're going to have it. And, and if you don't believe in yourself yet, well, you got to do more stuff to actually believe in yourself. And so I think uh, not giving up and just continuing forward down that path and realizing that you have exactly what you need from all the experiences that you've gone through to understand something new that's coming at you. If you just pull back your own, uh, your own lens and your own ego and try to understand it for what it is, you know, I'm a big breaking bad fan and it's like, uh, you know, uh, Walt would have never been found out if Hank hadn't removed his ego and realized that the bad man was right in front of him the entire time. And it was once he got stuck in that wheelchair and he was stuck at home and he couldn't think about anything else, he figured out who Heisenberg was. And so I think there's a lot of that in, in, what, in what we're doing where it's like, you know, pull back your ego, listen to what's going on, pivot as you go and as you learn more and more feedback and as you get more and more input from the outside world and just keep keep building on that vision until you get there. And it's like, if people don't believe it's possible until it's possible, right? So yeah. <laughs> until all of a sudden Love it's that. in front of them and you're looking at it. <laughs> One of the key things that you just did there too, that I'm going to highlight for other visionaries is that you spoke directly to your specific audience, um, right? You went into a language that I don't speak. Um, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's what really connects people. You know, you talk about Breaking Bad, for instance. I don't, I don't know. I never finished that series. Um, okay. you know, I, won't, so. I won't be too hard on you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you're a visionary and you're wanting to connect with people, telling stories like that, going into the lingo that other people don't have is critical. 
Also recognizing the value of your own cliches, right? Now, if I had a multi-million dollar podcast, what we would have done right now is we would have thrown the song Believe by Josh Groban behind you just to, to lightly roast you a little <laughs> bit um, as you as you shared that. Uh, because, But I'm also a, a big fan of the concept. So, um, you know, if we could just believe in ourselves, um, right? And I, I do like the instance of using the word should there. You should believe in your vision, in your purpose, and your passion, what you got going on, um, right? And if you could crack that mindset, that'd be huge. You also mentioned confidence. Dan Martell, I heard him speak about how for his sales team, if his sales team's having a rough time or a rough moment, he, he'll go in the room and he say, okay, everybody, 10 push-ups, um, right? You think that's kind of like authoritarian and like totalitarian. Why is it? No, it's because when you, confidence is the process of completing what you say you're going to do. And so when you tell yourself, I'm going to do, I don't care if it's three push-ups, um, you know, or three squats, if you will tell yourself to do something and then do it, you then gain confidence because you're completing the actions that you set out to do. Um, and I was like, that's a brilliant life hack. Um, so you're Dan uh, Martell. Dan Martell. You follow him too? <laughs> yeah. He actually even reached out to me in the DMs and I was chatting with him one time. I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's this pretty cool. world is so small, you know. He was trying to vet me to bring me on as a client. I, I was very polite about it, but I was like, "Yeah." Anyways, I, I yeah. mad respect, mad respect. Uh, but <laughs> that's but cool. I, I wonder if it was his assistant or him. Uh, Go ahead. He, at first, it was, and then he took over, and I was like vetting his nice. whole entire sales process. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I was like, "What are you doing, man?" But I was just gonna say one more thing, like you know, skateboarding, um, you know, jumping down stair sets. Uh, I always try to bring it up and especially is applicable to this, you know, like there were times when I thought I couldn't land a trick and, and my parents thought I was just goofing off at the skate park, you know, smoking weed, doing nothing with my time. But I, I actually was learning how to be growth minded. I was learning how to do a trick, you know, somewhat black out in the middle of doing it. And then all of a sudden I'm riding away from something I thought I could not do. And now I know I can do that. And now right. I'm starting to think, what else can I do? And now I'm doing more tricks. And now I'm going to the park and I'm learning five tricks every time I go there rather than one. Or And now I'm learning 10 and you start to level up. And so the skateboard wow. is a great microcosm for, for and, and it's that language, right? You know, skateboarders, there's so many in my generation, right? And it, it became the cool thing during the millennial era. Now it's not even that cool anymore. I, I, you know, but, really? but it, 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 you know, like it's so, it's so mainstream, right? Everybody's wearing a Thrasher hoodie is what I mean. But at the end of the yeah. day, it's, um yeah. So there's, there's something to that where it's like, you know, just a, allowing yourself to believe you can do it, committing to it. And like you said, knowing that you actually completed the task and and looking back at that task and saying, I can do that again and I can do it even better. Right. So yeah. sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. No, dude, no, I loved it. Flow. Hit it. Flow. So uh, let's take a few extra minutes if you're okay with that. Um, we're That's a little fun. bit over, but I do want to make sure we honor, honor people who are tuned in to talk about this lean, simple, valuable and approachable entrepreneurship path. Um, what does that look like to you, Daniel? How do you, do you have like a process streamlined for that or is it more of a mantra that you're you're looking to help people build and solidify I'm curious i think it's more of a mantra I, I wish i could say i had like it lined up i, I just think the world is so uh, it's just there's so many things that you can do that to have a specific grid or structure to me just feels uh, almost limiting. Uh, you know, because for me, it was like the only reason I chose ghostwriting is because I'm a writer. I started out writing at 17 years old. I've been doing it ever since then. Eventually, I got bored with the whole, whole poetry and going to slams and, and performing and stuff. So to bring that back to I do have a little bit of performance experience, but it's not in that exact same way. But I think that there's um, there's something to be said for 
for that experience and those things that you've done throughout your life. So if you started out as a, as a designer, or if you're doing something that, you know, that you've already had experience with, I think it's good to pick up on those things and take them further. And it's like, if you're really good at messaging and copywriting, you're really great at figuring out what makes something valuable. If you're able to see through the, 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 the trees to see the actual forest or whatever that phrase is, you're not blinded by all this other stuff and you can actually tell the human emotion behind something, lean in on that get better at that turn that into a sellable asset that you can pitch to an audience of people that actually want to pay for it uh and the list goes on from website to uh you know like maybe you're good with numbers and you want to be an accountant but you don't want to be a traditional accountant so you want to do it online or whatever else i think that there's there's a, a certain mantra of like ai is changing the world right now we haven't discussed that because it's such a big topic but i think that ai there offers a lot of people online the ability to scale up so much faster and and do things that they were never able to do before like me with mid journey all of a sudden i look like i'm a designer or something but i i can i can prompt something mm. because i'm a copywriter i'm really good at imagining things and so now that i know how to use mid journey and i can do ai ai generated art and now that I'm able to add that to what I'm able to do with my clients, I don't have to hire a designer to do a bunch of right. random pictures. I can actually generate that with a set of prompts in a matter of a minute. So that's just one example. And then beyond that, like using AI to transcribe my meetings. Before I used to type everything out my clients were saying, or I'd record the call and then come back through, it was daunting. But now I just have Otter AI and it does the whole thing and life is totally different. That was what my post was about today. And so mm. I think there's a lot to, um, there's a lot to the world right now that's allowing people to skip all the hassle and just use a software to solve a problem and then provide a better result for the person on the back end. My client up in Alberta is amazed at these loom recordings I send him where I'm recording myself on the screen. I'm showing him his results and he's just so amazed. He's like, this is so cool. I love this. You know? And I'm like, to me, it's just normal daily stuff, but, right. but that stuff, as you build it into your processes, makes you way more competitive. Um, so I think, Keeping it lean, understanding there's so many things there that cost less than a Netflix subscription to, to just add to your portfolio that make you way more valuable. And so if you're able to bring all that stuff in and continue to build it into your processes and just make it so that you don't even necessarily need a team. I have a whole bunch of other people I'm connected with, uh, a LinkedIn profile designer, a carousel designer, a blog writer, an email writer. Um, I have all these different people. They don't work for me, but I'm connected with them. And so I work almost as like a giant agency, even if I don't have all the headaches of a traditional agency. I can provide those results without having a giant bloated team that's you know waiting for a paycheck. I have just other freelancer friends that work white label for me. And so I think that there's a lot in the mentality of thinking really lean. How can I do this? but not commit a ton of money and hire a bunch of people, you know, that I may have to fire in three months, you know, cause I've been hired for agencies like that twice. And it's like, am I, do I really need to be here? Like, <laughs> so, um, so I think that's, that's a big part of it. So I hope that answers absolutely. your question to some sure. degree where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a mindset thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, we're take it, take this with a grain of salt, Daniel. Uh, also the visionaries that are listening to everything that we share is going to be imperfect. Everything that I share, um, is going to be imperfect. It's it's my truth, um, you know, and I'm learning as I go. Daniel's learning as he goes too. Uh, being simple, valuable, approachable. I'm a big fan of all of these concepts. Um, and I'm a big believer that all of them do apply to the entrepreneurship journey. One of the words that I'm not a fan of, though, that we used early on was was easy. And the reason why is I just, I, I believe that the best things in life take 
a great deal of effort. Skateboarding being one, I, I, I highly doubt skateboarding was easy at first. Um, maybe it's still not right. It depends on what you're after. Michael Phelps, for instance, breaking his world record. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, but he, you know, he, go, he knows how to swim. So is swimming easy for him probably at this point. Um, you know, but is it easy to, to achieve what he wants to achieve? Uh, not necessarily. Um, and so, and again, taking, taking these words with a grain of salt, also knowing that, your family or your circumstances, you're going to face certain risks no matter which path you go down as visionaries who, again, who are listening in. Uh, and so careful not to, to put your family in jeopardy by taking these concepts and oversimplifying them, um, right? Or, or putting them into place without realizing there's more formulas that work behind the scenes on this. I'd hate to see somebody do that. Um, and then later be like, well, you guys, you know, said it was, was easier or simple. And it is. <laughs> But there's still complexities that exist within yeah. the realities of becoming a visionary that should be accounted for. So one like of the things right now, and that would be that while you can do it alone, um, the abundance mindset says that that you know you don't need a team, but could a team empower you and and make your processes that much that much better? Possibly. It's possible. J.K. Rowling, I would have done her a disservice that I told her, hey, don't write that book on a napkin. That's not a smart formula, right? She became a billionaire by doing that. So while the formulas and the strategies, they also make sense, we still have to recognize that the visionary is going to, going to have fantastic intuition, comes to their heart and mind and helps them on their path. And if we can supplement that with strategies, just as she did with the publishers that she went to, then we're more susceptible to the opportunities of winning than losing. So there's, there's a whole lot of, of different, different channels we can look at on that. What I want everybody to know is that I believe wholeheartedly in these virtues that Daniel has talked about and shared about lean, simple, valuable, approachable. Those are all concepts to dive into deeper and potentially learn about anything else you want to add, Daniel. No, I, I really appreciate the reframe. I, I think I'm looking back and like, yeah, it, it is not easy. I, I think that I, I want it. I want there to be a system there that my clients can tap into, and I think that's what I mean by easy. But yeah, it's not easy. There is that 20% of like, yeah, you know, we're gonna 40% run your content. We're gonna do 40% email, but the other 20% is you being on the platform and and crushing it and actually communicating and doing those touch points. So you're totally right. It, it, no matter well, what, here's, nothing, here's another opportunity to look at on this. Right? I don't want to forget this. I want to honor your wife on this regard too. And, and you, um, Justin Breen was on earlier today and he's been married for 20 plus years. I'm twice divorced. Um, I mean, I got a lot to learn about relationships. Um, I mean, we all do, but, um, in that I regard, do. <laughs> the, the, what's there and she, and your wife works as well. You mentioned. So mm -hmm. we also have to be accountable and aware of our own life circumstances and how the, you know, how anybody giving advice, if Daniel's giving advice to me, I need to be aware of his variables and whether he's aware of my variables or not, right? If you're the sole provider for your family and you don't have somebody else bringing in, uh, you know, being being a breadwinner with you, then again, you've got to look at the formula and say, okay, my, again, my variables are different than this advisor's. So I have to be, aware. I, I, and I can blame Daniel all day long for telling him, oh, Daniel, you said this will work for me too. Um, you know, I could take that victim's mentality approach and put that on him. But it's my responsibility to hear what is necessary for my vision to move forward and to realize that he's speaking to me from his truth, not necessarily universal paradigm at all times. So, dude, this was this was super exactly. awesome. I appreciate you uh, bring, bringing uh, all the wisdom that you've brought into place. 
uh, especially for young entrepreneurs, uh, meaning young minds that are looking to expand their skill sets, get out in the market and test the waters. There, I don't think there's ever been a better time in life in the world for you to have all the assets necessary to streamline the process. There's a lot of overwhelm to those. So use it, use that with, use that with prudence, find some mentors as Gary V talks about find five to 10 people who you, who you admire, who are 10 years ahead of you in the process, um, you know, and go start asking them what they would do if they were in your shoes and make sure they don't have anything in return, like to gain out of that process too. You want people who have unbiased uh, opinions coming into your life. The biased ones matter too. But um, yeah. for all young people listening, I hope that helps you. Thanks for letting me be the old guy for a minute um, and, and, and preach at you. Um, but dude, this is awesome. And uh, we, we look forward to, to seeing, I look forward to having you back on the show, but for the power take, it's a different show that we have. Oh, really? Okay. Diving into, into some news and uh, picking your brain about LinkedIn and copywriting. And, I'd and love that. That would be fun. So, sign me up. Sign me up. I've appreciated this. It's been good. And uh, it's nice to talk about the the bird's eye. You know, <laughs> everybody's always like, you know, how do you build a perfect profile or what's your ideal post? You know, and I'm like, yeah, like as much as my opinion matters, it's like, you know, I also <laughs> think that you can do whatever you want. Right. And you can yep. build it in whatever system you want. And as much as there is a layout it's an art form and you know anything it, when it comes to art there there's always some room for from for malleability so i appreciate Absolutely. you and thanks for having me on i really have had a good time yeah man and uh vision pros if you want to apply for the show feel free to do so also on the landing page we will have links for reference so you can get in touch with daniel and we will see you on the next episode take care everybody Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent